Today's reading is Mark 7, 1 through 23. The Pharisees and some of the teachers of the law who had come from Jerusalem gathered around Jesus and saw some of his disciples eating food with hands that were defiled, that is, unwashed. The Pharisees and all the Jews do not eat unless they give their hands a ceremonial washing, holding to the tradition of the elders. When they come from the marketplace, they do not eat unless they wash. And they observe many other traditions, such as the washing of cups, pitchers, and kettles. So the Pharisees and teachers of the law asked Jesus, Why don't you, your disciples, live according to the tradition of the elders instead of eating their food with defiled hands? He replied, Isaiah was right when he prophesied about you hypocrites. As it is written, these people honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. They worship me in vain. Their teachings are merely human rules. You have let go of the commands of God and are holding on to human traditions. And he continued, You have a fine way of setting aside the commands of God in order to observe your own traditions. For Moses said, Honor your father and mother, and anyone who curses their father or mother is to be put to death. But you say that if anyone declares that what might have been used to help their father or mother is Corban, that is, devoted to God, then you no longer let them do anything for their father or mother. Thus you nullify the word of God by your tradition that you have handed down, and you do many things like that. Again, Jesus called the crowd to him and said, Listen to me, everyone, and understand this. Nothing outside a person can defile them by going into them. Rather, it is what comes out of a person that defiles them. After he had left the crowd and entered the house, his disciples asked him about this parable. Are you so dull, he asked, Don't you see that nothing that enters a person from the outside can defile them? For it doesn't go into their heart, but into their stomach, and then out the body. In saying this, Jesus declared all foods clean. He went on, What comes out of a person is what defiles them. For it is from within, out of a person's heart, that evil thoughts come. Sexual immorality, theft, murder, adultery, greed, malice, deceit, lewdness, envy, slander, arrogance, and folly. All these evils come from inside and defile a person. The word of the Lord. Well, good morning, church. How are we doing? How are we doing? Good. Uh, is, this, is this how you welcome all guest speakers? An invitation to heckle? Uh, for those of you who don't know, Matt is my brother. He would say the older, the wiser, the better looking brother. You've probably heard that before. Um, I'm, I'm thankful and grateful to be here this morning. I think this is my fourth, third or fourth year in a row during the kind of your winter camp, winter, whatever you call it here. Uh, this has been um, a couple years in a row, and so I'm, I'm just thankful to be here today. Full disclaimer, uh, where I landed with this text, and, and Matt was mentioning actually this week, uh, that for those of you who are in life group here at Res. Uh, you have already wrestled with this text. And I love that. I love that because typically my church experience has been I come on Sunday morning and I'm told what to think about a text. That's typically how I was raised. And I think it's a beautiful and right thing for you to bring your self, your broken but beautiful self, into the passages, talk about it, think about it through how the Spirit is working in your life. And so today is where I'm landing for today. And if I were to be here next year or in two years or even next week, I might have found myself landing in a different place, and that's okay. 
because that's the, the good thing about community is we can all bring ourselves to a conversation. And mine is just one small voice. I want to share a story uh, as I start. But a year and a half ago, so I'm 30, um, 36. Does it ever take you a minute as you get older to think about how old you are? Is that just me? Okay. I'm 36. Uh, relatively, I thought, healthy. And I uh, uh, hadn't been to the doctor in literally years, years and years and years. I had a kidney stone back in 2012. Is that right? Last time I was at the doctor, and uh, the YWCA had, I, I'm a member there, had one of those uh, blood pressure machines. You know, where you, you don't need a doctor, it'll tell you how you're doing. I'm like, oh, that looks fun. So I went there, and I put my arm in there, and it gave me some numbers. And I don't know anything about the numbers, other than it gives you numbers. And there's a chart, luckily, that says, hey, here's like normal blood pressure, here's elevated, here's hypertension, one, two, and go see a doctor immediately. And the numbers that it spit out were, go see a doctor immediately. And so I texted Sally, my sister-in-law, she's like, ooh, that's, that's bad. So I did it again, same, same, same very similar number. So I had my wife go uh, the next day. She had just went to the doctor for an annual whatever and got, a, got her blood pressure at the doctor. And so I said, go back to the Y and see what your blood pressure is there. See if it's different. Because I don't think the machine's right. It's got to be the machine. So she goes back. Sure enough, it's identical. So here I am, 35, I'm like, what do I do? I'm stubborn. I don't want to go on medications if I don't have to. Doesn't mean there's anything wrong with it, but I wanted to see if there was a more natural path I could take that could address some of my high blood pressure issues. So one of my good, dear friends, um, Joel and Jill, they said, hey, you should consider going vegan which means nothing from, a, nothing from an animal. No steak, no milk, no cheese. I'm like, well, okay, this is my health now, so I'm, I'm, I'll try it. Sure enough, and this isn't the moral of the story, sure enough, within a, a month, my blood pressure was about normal. But what happened in my new, my wife and I, um, she joined me in it because there's no way I could do a vegan lifestyle by myself. Uh, but what I noticed in my new vegan eating is that food is really divisive. I don't even like talking about it because I, as soon as I mention that I'm vegan, here are questions I got immediately. Questions like, so you, 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 you force your kids to eat that way? Oh, okay. Or are you judging me for if I have it? No, I'm eating this way because I have high blood pressure and I'm trying a natural way to bring it down and it's working. I'm not judging you. This is just how I... Food can be so divisive. And because Brent, yeah, Brent wants participatory... Uh, sermon today. I'm going to try to create as much uh, conflict around food as I can. So here's what we're going to have to do. Boo. <laughs> Here are the rules you have to play 
your hand has to go up. I'm going to give you two sets of food that can be divisive. You have to choose one and look around, see who's on your team and who is against you. And if they're against you, they probably don't like you. I mean, that's probably what it means. You have to choose one. Hand raise, burger or brat. It's a nice hot summer day after the grill. Burger or brat, we are going burger, hand raise. It could be a burger. <laughs> it could be a vegan burger or brat. You could add vegan to any one of these. Brat. Oh my, we are so divided. All right, next question. You got your brat or your burger. What condiment are you putting on that? Here are your options. The first one, the first thing you're putting on, ketchup or something else. You choose ketchup or something else. Ketchup, something else. Oh my goodness, we are so... How are you all here? Coke or Pepsi? Come on, I'm hoping for a lopsided victory here. Where's my mom? My mom. Co we'll say Coke products or Pepsi products. <laughs> Coke or Pepsi? Coke. Pepsi? Okay, all right. Uh, a couple more. Salad dressing, ranch or anything else? Any, pick, pick, other than ranch. And yeah, vegan, whatever, it doesn't matter. Ranch, something other. Okay. Couple more. I couldn't find one that could match Chipotle, so Chipotle's just gonna win. Chipotle over fast food. That's right. Give me a, something uh, like that could compete. What? <laughs> Where does it do? Chipotle or something else? Chick fil A. Chipotle, Chick fil A. Chipotle. Oh, yeah, that's true. Saturday. <laughs> Chipotle was how much? Chick-fil-A? Now, it's not just about the food that we eat. It's, it's traditions that we hold around the food that we eat. How many call it dinner or supper? Dinner, supper, dinner, supper, dinner. Any suppers? Okay, yeah. How about this? Uh, maybe this might be lopsided, but this is, a, uh, we have three young boys and they're, they're changing how they eat mac and cheese from a fork to a spoon. Mac and cheese. I'm talking about the little macaronis. Who, eat, who would eat it, for those of you who eat mac and cheese? Fork or spoon. Pretend no one's watching. This is you, okay? You're not worried about other people judging you. Fork, spoon, fork, spoon. Okay, see now? That's fun. We're participating. We're laughing. Haha. <laughs> I would imagine if you just take 30 seconds, and, and many of you probably don't even need that much time, to think about a real life argument, fight, drama, conflict, tension in your life where food was somewhere in the center of that argument. I have a story. I'll share it in a minute. Just think about that. We can fight over 
Chipotle or Chick-fil-A all day. That's kind of fun. And maybe some of your fights have to do with that, and that's okay. But why is that? Why do we fight over food? Something so small. Now, I don't have, I don't have research to back this up, but I wonder if part of the reason why we fight over food is because food is survival. It's not just food. It's something that we need. Beyond just a survival thing, food is something that most all of us interact with probably many times a day. And so a, it, it becomes a rhythm, a routine, a part of how we do life. And so a disruption in that rhythm, any rhythm that we have in our life, if someone comes in and interrupts it, you're not just interrupting food, sleep, that thing. It's, it's a way that you've been doing things for 10, 20, 30, 50, 70 years on this earth. And how dare you challenge my way of doing things. Something bigger, if we're honest, is going on if we think about that conflict. Uh, dating back to M, help me out, 2010, we'll say. All right. That's my wife. Uh, maybe I've shared this story here. I don't know if I have. Um, but our biggest, probably our biggest marital argument came in 2010. We've been married th- uh, since 2007. And I was working at a church at the time. Uh, and so I had to be there earlier than my wife had to be there. And it was the Sunday of Thanksgiving with her family. Context is important. Sunday of family Thanksgiving. We're going straight from church to Thanksgiving with her family. And she shows up, and I, I think, tried to meet her, usually kind of in the entryway as she was coming into church. And I was wearing a shirt that maybe was casual, very casual. Uh, it was a shirt that I'd worn because churches love to have branded T-shirts, and I was wearing the branded T-shirt of the church or something like that. Well, let me tell you that we decided to have an argument about it started out as the shirt and quickly blew up into other things. Now, we did not have this argument in a corner after church on the way to family Thanksgiving. We fought about it in the coffee donut line. And I'm not, I'm not saying we were whispering. I'm not saying we were yelling. But I am saying if you were, Pam in the back could hear us arguing from right here. It was bad. And it required us, and we're thankful that we did it, to go see our therapist, Jackie. Because we did not know how we landed at this Passionate of an expression and a fight and a conflict over something that someone would say, why are you, why? And our therapist broke it down for us. She said something that has stuck with me for 13, 10 years and will continue to stick with me. She said, Tim, Emily, it's not about the shirt. It is not about the shirt. 
There is something deeper going on. For Emily, she maybe felt feelings of being un- feeling unloved. That this is one of the biggest, this is probably the only time that the family actually, the whole family gets together all year. And I was maybe treating it like this nonchalant, no big deal, not going to put any, she was feeling unloved. For me, I was feeling deeper feelings of, of feeling disrespected, like this was, this is our church, and this is where it gets a little complicated, but this is my place of employment, and so we're going to choose this space to have this conversation. Jackie said, it's not about the shirt, so let's dig deeper underneath the shirt. If we've learned anything over the last forever since we've been on the planet, it's one thing that we love to fight. Humans love to fight. We love to fight about small things, and we love to fight about really big things, and we love to fight about food. Every chapter in every part of history, you will find a food fight, guaranteed. That was, that's today, that was five minutes ago, that was a year ago, 100 years ago, that was most certainly 2,000 years ago, the context of this story. Even in the New Testament, if you were to read through it from start to finish, you would see countless examples of where food is in some way central to conflict in a story. You see it in this passage. Earlier in Mark, you'll see it. You'll see this disagreement later on in Acts between Paul and Peter, between Jews and Gentiles, between Jesus and religious people, between Jesus and his disciples. Food was at the center of a fight with uh, Jesus' encounter with Zacchaeus, with the feeding of the 5,000. Food fights happen all the time. And if we were to dig a little deeper, we would notice that actually these fights date back centuries and generations. And if we dig into the roots, we will see that they actually have roots that, that play into our communal identities, to the physical landscapes that we find ourselves in. Here's where I'm leading for this morning. If we can dig a little deeper in this text, we're going to realize that it's not about the shirt. It's not about, did you wash your hands before dinner or supper or whatever it is that you call it? There is something deeper going on. And I contend, this is where I landed when I wrestled with this passage, that this passage is actually a conflict of identity. This is actually a passage, a conflict about identity and tradition and how much people hold on to tradition and how difficult it is to let go of, quote unquote, that's the way we've always done things. And how quickly we realize, if we're honest, none of those things actually really matter. Those things aren't Jesus, and they most certainly should not be dividing us. So let's jump back into the text and take a little zoom out of this passage. 
The Jews had countless rituals and traditions. They had so many rituals and traditions and festivals and celebrations. They had one for everything, it seems like. For purity, both personal, how to be right with God, communal purity, how can we be right with God? For eating and fasting and working and resting, for how to wash your hands and how to properly clean, which sometimes is a point of tension in art, how to clean the dishes, how to clean the cups and the kettles and the pots and the pans. They had a tradition on everything. Now, I'm not saying that having traditions in the way of doing things is, is wrong. That's not what I'm saying. But here's what I am saying. I am saying if unchecked, where they lead is a place of superiority where you believe that the way you have done things is better than somebody else. And I contend that that is at the root of this passage, of how traditions, while can be good and God-honoring, can lead us to a place where we believe we are better than somebody else. For the Jewish people, they had these traditions, and for them, it was a way for them to be a, a, an actual identifier, an actual marker, so that they knew, oh, those people are with us. It was actually their way to, to mark themselves and say, oh, they're in. They're not in. They're good with God. Nope, they've got some work to do because they're not washing their kettle the right way. This is where Jesus comes in and he says, in his own way, stop. Stop. You hypocrites. I think that was a word in the passage, you hypocrites. And he sums it up in one verse. He says, you have let go of the commands of God and are holding on to the traditions of man. Meaning, I didn't give you those rules. I didn't tell you Chick-fil-A was better or worse. You decided that. And now it is causing disagreement and conflict with you. Stop it. By doing that, you are letting go of the actual command of God, which is to love your neighbor as yourself. And so the question is, I think, for us, how on earth do you get there? How did the Jewish people get there? How could they get to a place where they believe the way that they wash and clean their, their pots and pans is a reason for division? How did they get there? Uh, looking back through Jewish history, you will find a, a strong and probably central to their narrative as a people, uh, this idea that they were called by God. They were God's chosen people. They were a special nation with a very special purpose. Now, I don't have time this morning to unpack that any further um, because that idea brings you to a whole host of different conversations. But I will say this, is that when you believe that God has called you differently and more specially, is that a word? More specially than somebody else, the path that it can bring you to, if left unchecked, is one that leads to us and them. 
And us is usually always better than them. That our way is the way. And that is a very dangerous place to be. We're all different. We're all unique. And we should celebrate that. And we should have traditions about how the Andersons celebrate Thanksgiving or Valentine's. Those aren't bad. Where violence and war erupts is when we believe the way that I celebrate my Thanksgiving is what you should be doing too. Right? It's easy for us, I think, um, it's easy for me to look back at a story and say, how could they fight? How could they fight over how to clean and do their dishes? And yet I think the, the work for all of us in any story is to find ourselves in the story. How can we find ourselves in this story? And I actually, I actually think we don't have to look that far to see us in it. See if, if this rings true to any of you. I've heard many Christians say that we are called by God. That we are, and by we I mean the United States of America, that we are a special nation with a very special purpose. We are chosen. I'm a history major. That was actually the first thing I did out of college. And I would teach this idea of, in U.S. history, see if you have any hand raised, manifest destiny. Has anybody heard that, that term before? This idea that we are chosen by God and what it did do in the 19th century all the way actually to today is it justified things that look nothing at all like Jesus in war and violence and territory expansion at all costs because we are called by God. Perhaps we don't have the same cleaning rituals as they do, although how many of you won't let your kids eat without some hand sanitizer? How many of you have hand sanitizer on you right now? Hand right, see, okay. We're not that different. But my question is, how many of us can identify traditions in our life, in our church's life, in our denominational's life, in the Christian life that have caused separation and division? If the fact that we have, how many denominations do we have? Anybody have a number? It's like thousands of denominations. How do denominations happen? In some way, they happen because some tradition they feel like should separate themselves from somebody else. If that's not evidence enough, I wrote a list of, of some of the ways that I've seen churches divide, like actually physically have real conflict in their church. I wrote some down. You're going to have your own list. Uh, the color of carpet in the sanctuary. It's a big deal, people. What food we should serve for Advent, Advent potlucks. The type of textbook we should be using for our kids' church. Changing a room from one function that was good 150 years ago to something that maybe isn't as relevant today, but you can't let go of it because that's how it's always been done. Shoot, we fight over what instruments can and cannot be played on stage. We fight if women can be on stage or not. 
We have fought over what translation of scripture to be used on a Sunday morning. We fight over how many pews should be used in a church because we don't want too many church chairs out where it seems way too big and empty. We don't want too few of chairs so that it feels like we're too crammed. So we fight over it. My last example, it's not funny, but... I laugh about it. I was, we have, Matt and I have a brother, Luke. Uh, he's a pastor in uh, the Milwaukee area. And I was visiting him, and he gave me a tour of his church about last year. Big church, beautiful church. And their church is big enough where they have a history room, like an archives room, where they have, like, you know, this church, I think, has been around 150 years or so. And so I'm just glancing through some of these. I mean, I'm a history guy, so this, I, I love this stuff. And in one of the logs of the church, I met a guy, met a guy named John, poor little John, who in 1856 was excommunicated from this church because he forgot to bring wood to Sunday service. Excommunicate. The words, I didn't use the words. The log used the words, excommunicated, no longer welcome here because poor little John forgot to bring the wood on Sunday morning. Now, I have a feeling that there's more context to the story with little John. I'm hoping on that. Because can you imagine poor John showing up on Sunday morning? He just got out of bed late, ran to service, and in doing so, for God is what? Peace out, John. There's the door. Never come back. We are no different. That's where I'm landing for this morning. We are no different. It can be easy to look back 2,000 years ago in a text over pots and pans and washing and, and tradition and say, you goofballs. And I say, we're no different. And I can't help but wonder if what Jesus would be saying to some of us today, and, and us I mean the, 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 the church that is be here and beyond here this morning. Would he be saying, you honor me with your lips, but your hearts are far from me. Have we, I, are we holding on to tradition in such a way where it is causing a division amidst us? Is it too hard to let go of the way things have always been done? Here's where I'm landing this morning and wrap up. So, so now what? So what do we do with that? What do we, as I was thinking through, as this is where I was landing with this text and sitting on it, what homework is there for me to do? And here's, here's where I'm landing Chew on it. Go back to scripture. Talk about it in your life groups. Whatever, that's fair. This is, this is, it's all fair game. But if you have, in some way, built a wall in your life, if you have, in some way, created an us and a them, and that can look like so many different things, so many different ways that that can manifest itself in our lives, if you've created a barrier or elevated in some way 
a people group over another. And usually you find yourself in the group that's elevated. Here's one of the only guarantees that I contend this morning in that reality in your life. If you have built a wall, I contend that God is actually for sure on the other side. If you have built a wall, looking back at Scripture, I contend for sure where God is is on the other side. Because God in Scripture is always, always, always working with the oppressed and the marginalized. That is consistent. There is no... Brent, I would love to talk after if that's not his narrative biblically accurate. Where do we always see God showing up? God is always showing up with the marginalized and the impressed. It's with the them. And so if you in your life have created a wall in some way, the homework for us is to tear down those walls. Because this is it, and I'll land here this morning. It's easy, and, and I'm speaking to myself. If I had a mirror here, this would be, this would be right back at me. <clears throat> God does not call us to be right. God calls us to be in right relationship. And I want an amen, Brent, on that one. God does not call us to be right. He calls us to be in right relationship. And so if you in your life can identify where is there conflict? Where is there an us and them? Where is there a way that I have created division in my life? Maybe I haven't created it, but there is division. And you're part of it. What I want to encourage us this morning is to say, God doesn't care, God doesn't want, God's top priority isn't for us to be right, it's to be in right right relationship, it's to be reconciled. That is the homework for us. God deals with right and wrong. That's up for God to do. We are called to be people of reconciliation. People who are showing the rest of the world what it looks like to say, you celebrate Thanksgiving that way, and I do it this way, and that's okay. You vote this way, and I vote that way, and that's okay. You still have a space around my table. We are called and invited to show the rest of the world what it looks like to be one. That's some good homework to do. And that's the invitation for us. So let's stop with the food fights. Let's do the real work to identify underneath the shirt, underneath the food, what deeper things are going on. And let us be a people who can find ways in our unity to also celebrate how we all are different. Let's be a people who chooses communion and fellowship over tradition, and that's how it's always been done. Let's be a people who tries new things, who experiments, and in doing that, we might find ourselves in uncomfortable places, and that's okay. May we be a people who delights in small things. And may we be a people who with our lips and with our hearts declare that we are better together.
Amen. Let me pray.